You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. So today is episode 102 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod. 102 episodes, which is insane to me. Especially because this time last year, I almost quit doing the podcast altogether. So everything from here on out is just unexpected bonus. I am your host. I think I forgot to say that. I'm Bethany Finger. (laughs) Today's special guest is the author of our entire podcast, Marissa Meyer. (laughs) Hi. Hi. Uh, Do you want to tell everybody how you're doing and give us maybe any updates that you might have? Oh, gosh. I'm good. I'm uh, under deadline right now. So that's kind of like taking up my entire life at the moment. (laughs) Um, my new book is gilded. Probably most of your listeners already know about it. Uh, but it is coming out this November and it was supposed to be due in January and I needed an extension. And so now it's due, uh, next week and it's close. It's so close. And I feel like I'm going to be able to make it by next week, but it's also, I don't, this, this stage of editing and polishing always takes so long. And so every day I set these goals for myself where I'm like, okay, today I can get through six chapters. And then I get through like one and a half chapters and I'm like, no, why does it take so long? Um, but, but it's good. I love the book. Um, and I got to write some kissing this morning, which I am always really excited about. And yeah, so that's, that's kind of the big thing in my world right now. That and instant karma is going to be a TV series. A, yeah, a short series? Sure. <laughs> you know, Some kind of film. Uh, well, yeah, yes. Yeah. So it um, was bought by HBO Max, and they want to do it as a, a half-hour TV show, um, which is awesome. And, of course, I'm so excited. Uh, but I also, like, I don't – I've been through the rigmarole with Hollywood enough times now <laughs> that I don't really – believe it's going to happen until it's actually happening. So at this point, it's the farthest that anything has gotten of my books. Uh, and so I just have my fingers crossed and I hope, I hope, I hope, but I haven't heard anything from HBO um, in a while now. So I'm not really sure, like, are they looking for writers or it's, do they have a writer working on it? Like, I don't know. They don't tell me anything. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it happens because that would just be really, really cool. Yeah, I'm like super excited about it. I 
my husband and I've been together for a very long time. And if I'm looking at my phone and I freak out, he knows it's either something from you or something from Taylor Swift. And (laughs) you posted that right after Taylor Swift was like, I have another album coming out. So I freaked out. And my husband was like, if Taylor's releasing another album, I'm just going back to bed. Like, I'm not even going to try to accomplish anything anymore. And I was like, I was like, no, Marissa got a TV show. He's like, thank God it's something else. Okay, good. I'm excited. <laughs> like, I'm done for today. That's enough excitement. <laughs> He's like notorious for thinking other people are doing too much, which I think makes it hard to be married to me because I'm always like, I'm going to do this thing. Um, <laughs> you're, you're good balance. You have a good balance for each other. Does he kind of like help you? Uh, like slow down and maybe like yeah. appreciate something <laughs> for a little while before you rush off to the next thing. Cause that's very much me and my husband too. Yeah, absolutely. And he's good about like helping me calm down too. Like the, when I was reading the selection series by Kara Cass, I don't know if you've read it, but um, there's a scene that was very emotional for me and I was like bawling my eyes out and he literally took the book. <laughs> he's Aww. like, I'm going to draw you a bath we're going to chill. I'll give you back the book tomorrow. (laughs) It's like, like, I need to know what happens. He was like, I think you need to calm down first. (laughs) Yeah. That was, I remember this so long ago now, but reading The Fault in Our Stars and I was crying in a sobbing mess. And my husband came over and took a picture of me because he thought it was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Not the same. (laughs) (laughs) he's great though because he's he's almost always supportive like when I told him I was writing a book his because I've I've written before but it's usually like anthologies short stories a lot of poetry and things like that and so I told him I was writing a book and his first reaction was don't you think you have enough going on already (laughs) um (laughs) but then the next day he like downloaded Scrivener for me on my laptop he was like I was doing all this research on publishing and I was like calm down I haven't actually written anything yet like (laughs) I love that. How is your book? How's it going? Uh, It's going really well. I am almost done with my first draft. I actually started another project, though. Yeah, (laughs) I know how that is. (laughs) I I have these weird inspirations that like, like the the book I'm writing right now, the first thing that came to me was the title, uh, which I ended up changing almost immediately. So that's funny. And then the one I just started, the first thing that came to me was the very last line. Mm. So I'm almost working backwards in a way. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really excited. Uh, we sh- we shall see what happens. Maybe it'll live forever on my computer. Who knows? That's where most of my writing is, is just on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I have files and files. And even, I mean, yes, there's things like from before I was published, you know, old novels and my first drafts and blah, blah, blah. But even now, like I have, I'll get an idea for something and I'll be really excited about it and I'll write a couple of chapters and then like, oh, I'm not so excited about this anymore. Um, Yeah. Even like there was last year, I had originally been contracted for a different book and I have like 50,000 words of that book written before I finally was like, this is not working. And then emailed my editor was like, can I do this other Rumpelstiltskin idea instead? Um, and <laughs> go ahead. But now it's like, well, what am I going to do with those 50,000 words? <laughs> and maybe oh, nothing. Maybe they will, you know, maybe it was just 
something that had to be written and out in the universe and it's out of my head, but nothing will ever come of it. Who knows? Or maybe something will. And maybe, maybe in five years you'll run across it and you'll have a great idea and it'll just be the next great thing. Right. You never know. Don't know. You don't know. So I know I've had a lot of people that have asked if I'm going to turn dispersed into a full length novel and I'm definitely not going to. It's going to remain a short story, but I have started turning it into an anthology of other short stories from that time frame. Oh, cool. So I guess technically I'm working on three projects right now. Yeah. 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 I I understand. I think I have four writing projects in the works currently, you know? So I get it. I know what it's like. (laughs) I also yesterday for some reason was like, I want to have a book blog where I like review books. So I started that too. Yesterday? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is what it's like to be married to me. My husband comes home from work and was like, how was your day? And I say, I started a blog. I started a book. I just, I started a podcast. Like I just do things and the poor guy just has to like, go with it (laughs) yeah well it's good that he's supportive and it's better than being bored like I don't know I think I have a like a really intense fear of being bored or something because as soon as I have any amount of downtime or or idleness my brain just like starts filling up with oh but we could do this we could do this project wouldn't it be fun to do this and like I'm incapable of sitting still and not working on something Absolutely. My, um, my mother-in-law says I'm like the energizer bunny. Like every time you think I'm going to take a break, I'm just like, actually, I'm going to keep going. Right. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Oh, well. But I'm, I've always been like that and it probably won't change. So. Yeah. No, it keeps you life know? interesting. And as long as you're working on things that you love and that you enjoy, you know, why not? There's people who yeah. spend like 70 hours a week doing jobs that make them miserable. Like, well, I don't want to would be that. my husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. So we just found out that we'll be going to Nevada in February of next year. And that'll be a completely different job for him. At that point, he'll probably be a master tech sergeant. So he'll have a very different um level of authority and expectation so maybe the next job he'll really like more I hope so you know? I hope so yeah yeah I'm really nervous about Nevada but I'll be really close to my sisters and my birth mom out there so that's exciting yeah um cool so I haven't lived in the same area as my birth mother since I was like 16 I think so um yeah and how many maybe sisters re- so I have three by birth. And then I have a sister-in-law from my husband and a sister-in-law from my sister's wife. And then I have four stepsisters. Oh my goodness. So it's all girls. I have no brothers. What? Well, okay. My sister and her boyfriend, Randy have been together for nine years, but they're not technically married, but I call him my brother-in-law. So yeah. Okay. Nine years is a long time (laughs) to not be married. I'm like, you guys are married. Right. Yeah. At some point, it just like, you know, it's just legalities at this point. Yeah. So my my dad and my bonus mom have been engaged for 14 years. And I'm like, okay, you guys are married. (laughs) (laughs) That's a long time to be engaged. I was engaged for like six months. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well. Well, that's exciting about being closer to your sisters, for sure. Yeah. 
So we shall see. And there's a couple of Patreon people out there that I'm excited to hopefully meet in person. That would be super awesome Mm -hmm. with masks and stuff if that is still necessary. (laughs) Yeah, well, by February, I would hope not. You know, but they told us two weeks in the beginning. (laughs) So I don't know what to expect. Yeah, no, I know. That's I know. We're all figuring it out as we go. But I'm hopeful. I, I'm hopeful that things are going to get back to something like normal. I, I hope so, too. Yeah. I, I really do. I'm, I want to go places and do things. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. This time last year would have been right after we met at the North Texas Teen Book Festival. I which know. It did not have this year. year. Yeah, which I love going to book festivals. Like that's one of the things I miss the most is being able to go to things like that. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah, I I am really craving book festivals and and writing conferences, and I miss seeing all of my writer friends and all the readers, the fans. I yeah, I miss it a lot. Those virtual events are a lot of fun, and I'm glad that we live in a, a time when we have the technology to take advantage of that but it's not the same yeah no it's really not you're right I was like, really it's good that we have the option and it's better than nothing but it's not Annie Sullivan um, who's an author friend of mine is I'm hopefully uh, gonna go to a book signing with her if if things work out and I I told her I was gonna put my husband in a black t-shirt that says security in gold letters and not tell him why <laughs> um but he just <laughs> he really wants to be like um a, a security guard like a like a bouncer type guy with like a fake earpiece and sunglasses and the whole shebang so i was like okay we'll put him in a gold t-shirt and we just won't tell him why he's wearing bright gold because <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> i have a feeling he'd be like okay whatever she yeah. said the gold t-shirt i'll just wear the gold t-shirt who cares and then yeah yeah, yeah. I don't need to be in on the joke. We're we're good. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so what are you currently reading right now? Um, so I am reading two books. Um, and hold they're both upcoming podcast guests. So as I'm saying it, I'm like, hold on, I'm gonna get their names wrong and then I'm gonna be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> so let me look at a brief real fast to make sure that I don't I don't mess anything up here. Um, so I'm reading Pride and Premeditation. And that is by, hold on, it's loading, loading, Tears of Price, um, which is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, but as a murder mystery. And it is so fun so far, totally up my aisle. Uh, and then on audiobook, I am listening to Hunted by the Sky by, and forgive me for this pronunciation, uh, Tanaz Bethina, Bethina. Um, and that is a really great, uh, a high fantasy about a girl that's prophesied to kill this evil king and just like all of those tropes that I just love. And of course, there's a romance. And anyway, they've both been really, really good so far. Uh, and they're both coming up as podcast guests. And yeah, so I've been enjoying them. 
That's awesome. I love that you're like reading a book while listening to another audiobook because that's what I do. Yeah, so. no, I usually have like three or four. Like I'll have an audiobook going, usually a book that I'm reading like in physical paperback, and then usually something I'm reading on an e-reader. Uh, so I usually have three mm-hmm. things going on. Yeah, I have the same thing. Right mm-hmm. now I'm reading Daughter of the Moon by Abigail Spagari. And I just downloaded The Invisible Life. Oh, of Addie LaRue? Yes. I just downloaded that one. So I'm going to start listening to it this afternoon on my run. And then the graphic novel I'm reading is Anya's Ghost by Vera Brosdahl. I loved Anya's Ghost. So good. I'm excited to read it. It was some. It was one of my professors recommended it. So um, I'm very excited to read it. I've become very fond of graphic novels lately. Yeah. One I just finished is called Lighter Than My Shadow, and it is about a young girl with anorexia, and it is 500 pages. Oh, my goodness. It is a very big graphic novel. If you plan on reading it, it is an undertaking, but it's worth the time. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was recommended to me by one of our listeners. I, oh, hold on. I wrote down the pronunciation of his name. Jathina. Please tell me if I got it wrong. I'm sorry. It's a lot of letters and I'm terrible. <laughs> um, but he sent he sent me the, the link to it. So mm-hmm. big thank you to him. Yeah. Awesome. I love, um, I loved ghosts. I also really loved Vera's Be Prepared. Um, and it was one of those graphic novels that like, even though it's a, it's a kind of loosely autobiographical of when she went to summer camp. Um, and I never went to summer camp. So like, I didn't have that specific experience, but there were so many moments from my childhood and youth that kind of mirrored what this character was going through that it brought me to tears multiple times when I was reading it. It was very powerful. I love that. Love that. I love when books are so relatable in their, their content like that. One of the reasons I'm a big fan of like Ellen Conford and Meg Cabot is like, I remember being a teen girl with real life experiences. Um, (laughs) So I've always found those types of books very relatable, even though I'm, you know, in my thirties now. Yeah. I think there's something kind of comforting too, to realize that you weren't the only one experiencing those things and those feelings and those thoughts and like, oh, this was actually quite normal. Yes. So let's talk about some fan art. I picked three for us to look at. So the first one is from Book Baggage and it's Crescent Thorn's first cast. Aww. <laughs> and I love that her face is sunburned. It makes me so happy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My first thought was blushing, but you're right. It is very red. <laughs> oh, it could be blushing. Yeah, it's probably blushing because they just kissed and she's yeah. like mm, swooning. <laughs> <laughs> and also like, what on earth is happening? <laughs> what is going on right. at this moment? <laughs> Why am I holding a gun? Which my favorite, my favorite part is Thorne being like, okay, don't let me shoot anybody that we like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved writing Thorne so much. <laughs> He's fun. So the next one is from G-A-T-O-V-T-I-N-A, and it's winter. It is beautiful. I love it. It's like it's twinkling. 
It is. No, it has a very winter wonderland vibe. And we've got mm-hmm. okay, the, the, just the images on my computer are really small, just so you know. Um, <laughs> we've got roses and is this apples? Apples. And then if you look in the bottom left corner, there's Ryu. <gasps> oh my gosh, I didn't even see him. Oh, that's beautiful. He's like blended in with her, her dress in the snow. That is a gorgeous piece of art. I love that. It is. And then our last one is from Mrs. Kara, too. And it's Aiko and Cinder um, from the very first chapter. And I love their friendship so much. I love vintage Aiko. I do, too. No, I know. <laughs> I, the girls um, here a little while ago, we watched one of the new Star Wars movies. And so then they started drawing BB-8. And I was like, oh, it kind of looks like Eco, And I didn't even realize. <laughs> I love it. Mm. No, this is, a, this is a great, great picture here. So I love sweet. them. And such great detailing of the market and the booth. And yeah, this is awesome. Even people in the background walking around and doing stuff. Yeah. In the middle of yeah. plague. Ha ha ha. We know better now. <laughs> <laughs> reading reading it now has a very different perspective. I know. I know. If only I'd known. <laughs> right. <laughs> So big thank you to all of those artists. You can find them on the Prince Kai Fam Pod Instagram, Facebook, and on the website. Hey guys, my name's Abby and I co-host the Book Life Podcast with my best friend Mo. We cover fantasy, sci-fi, and historical fiction books and talk book-related topics like our favorite character types, world building, and books versus their movies. New episodes drop every Monday on your favorite platform. Now, back to your show. This is our Crest wrap-up episode. So for the bonus words, glove was three, tomatoes was two. The bonus word hair appeared 255 times. <laughs> it's like almost on every page. <laughs> Captain was 35, crazy was 18, and scars was nine. So... It was mostly hair for the third one. That's why it was the bonus word. Yeah. It's interesting with crazy being one of them because, you know, more recently, the last few years, and I don't know how much you or your, the people on you know, Patreon talk about this, but like crazy is become a word that is considered offensive. And it's one of those mm-hmm. that had never, that never even crossed my mind when I was writing these books, writing these characters and you know, it's kind of one of those throwaway words, you know, oh, it's so crazy. Things are so crazy. And now, like, I try to be really careful to not use that word. So, so interesting that back then, everything was crazy. <laughs> use the word all the time. No, we've talked about that a lot, too, because um, words have such a, a a changing lifestyle. You know, growing up in the Midwest, um, we always called soda pop. Mm-hmm. And that's just a habit I never got out of. But like moving down here, if I say, oh, I'm drinking a pop, people look at me like yeah. I'm insane. They're like, what's pop? Oh, that's like, oh you know, <laughs> soda pop. And they're like, it's Coke. And I'm like, but it's Sprite. And they're like, all soda is Coke. And I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, language, it, it is organic. It changes with time. And it does. The, the meanings that we attribute to words change with time also. But interesting. They do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there were 157 Easter eggs in Cress. 
I think it was from last time when we talked about Scarlet and half of them, I was like, I don't really think that's an Easter egg. <laughs> if it pops up later, I'm like, okay, I'm going to call it an egg. Why not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'll get messages from people and they're like, is that an Easter egg? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it gives more credit than it should. <laughs> Fair enough. So I kind of tried to narrow it down to like just a few that were really compelling. And since we're pressed on time, I'm just gonna pick a couple. So the shell blood is really valuable. It's used to create letimosis and the antidote. Do you remember where the idea came from for you to have this side plot? Oh boy. Um, so, okay. If we go back to early, early, early planning of the series. And I knew that Snow White was going to be my fourth and final book. And then I had to think, well, okay, so at some point, Snow White has to, quote unquote, fight the apple and fall asleep or die. And so early on, I was trying to think, well, what, what is this going to be? And that kind of led to this idea of there being a plague. Okay, well, what does the apple or what is, how does the kiss wake her up? How does she wake up? How is it all going to tie together? How does an apple give her this sickness? Blah, blah, blah. And so the entire idea of the plague was something that came from that uh, and the the Snow White moment and the glass coffin and all of that. And that just kind of started to grow into this worldwide pandemic. (laughs) But then, of course, I knew that if there is a a plague happening, at some point we need to rescue my Snow White character, which means we need to have an antidote to the sickness. And how did that end up coming into the whole idea of the shells? Uh, Yeah, I don't remember exactly but I know that by the time I was writing Cinder I knew that it was going to be the shells that were going to be the secret to the antidote um and so that was planned very early on and I knew Cress was going to be one and that in Cress she would be captured by people and sold and part of the reason she was so valuable was because she was a shell and they could use her blood blah 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 so yeah that was planned pretty early on that's awesome yeah <laughs> it's so hard trying to remember and this was what year it's a long time ago like 12 years ago <laughs> i know i have trouble remembering like what i ate for lunch a week ago right, let alone like right, 12 years yeah. ago and it's even i mean even like the book that i'm writing now you forget very quickly like the thing the things that were originally in the story that then oh that's not working so that gets cut and it turns into this other thing but your brain doesn't hold on to that information you know it just becomes whatever it becomes well, and I don't, and you don't spend a lot of time with it after the fact. Like we've been reading these books consistently, and we've reread them several times. But like, you know, for you, it was twelve years ago. And how much time have you spent with writing these particular books since then? Right. No, and I haven't read these books since I would have been probably finishing up Winter, or possibly the the short stories. Um, so you probably know them way better than I do. At this point. <laughs> that's how I feel about Harry Potter is like I'm like sometimes JK Rowling will say something and I'm like that's not right (laughs) and then it's like well maybe I've read them too many times 
That's funny. Now, I don't doubt that there are things in the book that I've like completely forgotten about. Or people ask me questions about the characters or like, what did you mean when you said X, Y, Z? It's like, I have no idea. No, no idea what I was thinking. I mean, that's like half of these questions. All right, well, I'll do my best. I will do my best. <laughs> what happened to Cress's mom? Do you know? Yeah, she's still on Luna. Uh, at least I think. I think my what I ended up deciding was that she was still on Luna, um, but still working for the the Queen and still kind of in in the court and in the labs up there in Luna. Um, but. I mean, I didn't, I, I kind of, in my mind, cast her as a villain. Like, she mm-hmm. he was okay letting her daughter be given over. Um, and so I don't, I never saw her as, like, the sort of mother that had regrets and would have longed to have met Cress. Like, I think that if she had ever met Cress, then she would have just immediately turned her over to the queen. Um so, but I think that, I think she's probably still alive. So now, you know, with all the things that happen at the end of the series, I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there's room for expansion there. <laughs> <laughs> Redemption arc somewhere. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay. So there's a couple of things I want to know if they are an Easter egg or if I pay too much attention. You pay too much attention. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just so joking, Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Gina pats Cress's uh, head. She pats her on the head very much the way that Sybil does. Intentional? <laughs> oh, or no? No, no. That's just because to me, patting someone on the head is so condescending. Um, okay. Depending on the context, of course. But in, in both of these cases, it's kind of a condescending thing. So that's that's just that. Yeah. But I, I no, I wasn't trying to draw a parallel between them. So it wasn't a hint that Gina was bad guy. <laughs> That's well, just what I thought it was. See, it's like no, kind of an Easter egg, but not intentional. But it is. I mean, there's like little things in this. She doesn't care as much as you think she does originally. Mm-hmm. And she's just trying to get Crest to trust her. Um and I don't know. I mean, if I'm a 16 year old girl and this woman pats me on the head, like I'm going to find that pretty annoying and off-putting. And so, you know, I'm trying to kind of hint that maybe there's more happening here, but I wasn't necessarily trying to, yeah, like tie her together with Sybil in any way. See, so, yeah, I just pay too close attention. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Jason tells Cinder that he only serves one princess, and it's later revealed that he was talking about Winter, not Celine. That was intentional, right? Oh, yes. 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 Because <laughs> he even has his aha moment at the end where he's like, oh, oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was definitely talking about Winter when he made that comment. One that's like really old that I want to know if that's a real Easter egg or not, or not an Easter egg, but just a, a an idea that I had. In Cinder, Dr. Erlon calls her Sleeping Beauty. Did you originally plan on including a Sleeping Beauty's telling in this series, or is that just like a throwaway line? Yeah, that was just a throwaway. Um, and I remember at the time trying to like figure out how do I 
create this world that is supposed to be a future possibility for our world. Like the, it's not supposed to be an alternate universe. The idea is that it is our world, but many hundreds of years in the future. Well, Mm -hmm. in theory, then we would still have references to the fairy tales, you know, and obviously Cinderella has now been around for 1300 years and Sleeping Beauty has been around for hundreds of years and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, well, I don't think they would just go away and disappear from the culture. Um, And so and so I remember spending a lot of time thinking about like, do I reference them? Do I not reference them? And obviously decided to have little references. And I feel like in Crest 2, there was might have been at least one reference to a fairy tale, but you would probably know better than me. Um, and and yeah, so it was kind of a reference to, to this idea that fairy tales still exist uh, in this world. And, and that was it. But not I had not planned on doing a Sleeping Beauty retelling, which I guess was your actual question. I like the idea that fairy tales survive above everything else. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think that they will. I mean, they've been around this long. It's hard to imagine them disappearing, especially with with how things are saved um, and in the digital world and libraries and scholars. And I mean, I, I just don't see them ever disappearing entirely. Um, well, I mean, we just talked about Cinderella, right? Which originated in Greece. So or we're China talking about or Egypt, depending on which scholar, you're right? <laughs> depending on who you talk to. <laughs> yep. So the, the oldest one I know of is the the one where she like designs sandals and she drops her sandal and the pharaoh has like a pet hawk and the hawk picks up the shoe and like takes it back and the pharaoh is like, I need this shoe. It looks like the most beautiful sandal in the world and I want it. Who made this? And then they fall in love. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember the date for that one. I took like a whole fairy tale course <laughs> like three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I don't know the date off the top of my head either, um, but the last, and it's been a few years now, so obviously we learn new things and we're given new information over time, but back when I was studying and in, in researching Cinderella stories, um, they did believe that, yes, the Egyptian version was the oldest, um, which of course largely passed down through oral storytelling, and then the Chinese version they at that time thought was the oldest recorded, like actually written version. Mm, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then a million other versions. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, every culture <laughs> of all time has some, some rags to riches story. Story for us. Yeah. Um, so another question was, how did Dr. Erland get all this money to buy <laughs> shells? Is it through nefarious means? Because I think it is. Oh, that's But I have good. listeners that disagree. That's exactly <laughs> the sort of question that I hope nobody ever asks me, because who the heck knows? <laughs> no, I mean, my, my justification was that he was at the top of the top like he's he was the dr fauci of their world and i don't know what dr fauci makes but i have a feeling he's probably doing pretty well right yeah 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 so no i i don't think that it was through nefarious means um i think that he just was very successful in his career and working for the emperor um and so he it was quite a lucrative position good for good for dr erland yeah. <laughs> 
So the one that we have to talk about, because I never realized it was an issue, the age gap between Cress and Thorn. Why did you pick the ages 16 and 20? Did you just pick random ages and it happened to be <laughs> an issue for random reasons? <laughs> uh, so you, you and I were talking about this before we started the recording and we're both like, people think it's weird. Why does everybody think this is so weird? <laughs> Um, so, okay, well, why did I pick the ages? Cress, uh, so I don't really know why I chose Cress to be 16, other than I wanted her to be the youngest of the group, because to me, she was the most naive and innocent of the group, um, Mm -hmm. which isn't to say that you can't be naive and innocent at 17 or 18, but it just felt like she was the youngest. Um, and then uh thorn was originally going to be like 18 or 19 but then as i started getting into his backstory and figuring out all of these things that he's done and his you know very busy crime or career of crime and then being in the military and leaving the military and at some point having time to get arrested and then he's been in the prison for so long blah 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 uh the idea that he could be any younger than 20 just didn't really work with his his story and his history um like mathematically there has to it has to add up correctly exactly i mean unless he started like it went into the military when he was like 14 or something. It's like, well, that doesn't, I, that doesn't work for me. And yeah, I don't know. Like my husband is five years older than me. And when I was a teenager, I always had crushes on older boys and it never really struck me. I mean, doing these characters at these ages, it didn't strike me as anything odd or concerning. Um, I will point out, like, there is no sexual involvement over the right. course of the book. So um, I think that if there had been a a more intimate scene, then I, I would agree that that could be problematic. But, but that's not the case here. Well, they also, I, I think they have a, a very, like, beginner stage relationship overall. So, you know, it's very, like, slow burn. Yeah, yeah. No, and so, I I mean, obviously, Thorne is more sexually experienced. Um, but in my headcanon, he is absolutely okay to wait until Cress is, is fully ready. So I, I never really, I mean, he's not the kind of guy that's gonna, you know, try to pressure her into doing anything that she's not ready for. So absolutely. Yeah. So I have to assume that this concern from readers is, is based on a, a sexual thing um because I, I would i think that that's the main concern is like well she's not a legal adult and he is but i don't know i had my first apartment when i was 16 and i definitely felt like i had the responsibilities of a legal adult even though i wasn't 18 so um and then my husband didn't move out of his parents house until he was 24 so mm-hmm. you know so I don't necessarily think that age has to be like that there's some magic number that like, okay, if you're this many years old, if you've been on the planet this many years, you're definitely an adult. Right, right. You know? No, I think, yeah, don't definitely people mature at different ages. Um, with Chris in particular, I mean, she is, I would not, well, in some ways she is definitely more mature than Thorne and in other ways she's not. Oh, yeah. Um. I don't think this is getting into like really deep stuff here. Um, <laughs> the that we know in the books, 
my opinion is that she is definitely not ready for sexual intimacy. Um, right. And I, I don't see them taking that step until the, until she is. But when that would be, I don't know. I don't, I don't have like a date or an age in mind. <laughs> I completely agree. I would also say that like, while Cress is, is more mature than Thorn in certain aspects, she's also very inexperienced. And I think Thorn would be respectful of those boundaries. Yes. Yes. Agree 100%. Yeah. And I hope, I hope that comes across as clear. I mean, obviously, I can't control how people interpret the characters. Um, right. And, you know, there's no hint there, or there's no, we know that Thorn is experienced. Obviously, would he love to sleep with Cress? I'm sure that he would. Um, but I hope that we know enough about his character by the end of this series to know that he is a gentleman where it counts. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead and transition and talk about your podcast for a minute. Let's do some shameless plugging for Happy Writer Podcast. Okay. <laughs> where did the idea come from to do a podcast? It came from COVID. Well, no, that's not entirely true because I'd had the idea before COVID. Um, so, okay, let me think back, back, back. Because the idea had been kind of in my mind for maybe a year, year and a half. Um, and I think it kind of started because <laughs> you go to writers' conferences and festivals and you sit around with a bunch of writers and obviously, I have a lot of friends who are writers, and I love them and I'm really close to them. But I swear, you get a group of writers together, and suddenly there's just like a whole lot of complaining going on, and everyone wants to <laughs> whine and moan about, you know, their their publicity packages and you know enough for them, and they're fighting with their agent over this, and they're frustrated with readers over that, and they're I mean, there's just like you know, and deadlines, and obviously there are things that we we all kind of face. And yeah, it's not all rainbows and sparkles all the time. And I'm not trying to say that it is. But nevertheless, personally, I think that this is a really great career and a really great job. And writing is a lot of fun. And so I just kind of started noticing this pattern of like so much negativity and so much complaining. And I thought, you know, what this world needs is just writers talking about the happy side of being writers more often. And that kind of started to lead, well, it'd be fun to maybe, I don't know, write a book about that or do a podcast or, you know, do something. And then COVID hit and I realized nobody was going anywhere anytime soon. And there were so many books and in particular debut authors who had their books coming out right in the, the season of COVID. And I just felt so awful for them that all of their dreams of going on book tour, having their, you know, debut launch party and all of these things that you so look forward to weren't happening. And it's hard enough for a debut author to get the word out about their book and build that initial readership. And so I thought, well, maybe this would be a great opportunity to start this podcast that I'd been kind of thinking about and, you know, bring some talk of joy and some talk of happiness into the world of writing while also being able to kind of help promote some of these authors who 
just didn't have as many opportunities as as I had had and had so many as as excuse me and as so many of us had had um building up to to covid so yeah i love it too cuz i get to pick new books <laughs> <laughs> no it's been so great like i don't have enough to read i'm like what's new this week <laughs> i know i know and i've loved it um i have been reading so much more lately because i mean i always read a fair amount but now it's like, okay, you have to have this book read by Tuesday or whatever. And so it's right. Motivating. <laughs> um, but I've met so many new authors and people that I may not have had a chance to read their books or get to know them before doing this. And, and also like having a chance to talk to really good friends of mine and people that I haven't seen in a year or years. And so it's really helped me feel like I'm staying in touch with people, uh, which as we all know, has been extra difficult lately. So I've I've really loved it. I'm so glad that I decided to do it. I am too. And I hope someday that some of my favorite authors get episodes too, like Abigail Spagari or, or Megan O'Russell or Meg Cabot or... Oh gosh, Meg Cabot would be so fun. God, she's written so much. You and Meg Cabot are the only ones that have your own shelf in my library. <laughs> That's how many books I have. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was, this was a few years ago now, and I was at an event with Meg Cabot, and we we got to chatting, and I, you know, told her, oh, I'm such a big fan. It's so, it's such an honor to meet you, and and I told her my name, and she was like, oh, Cinder, I loved Cinder, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, oh my goodness, Meg Cabot has read my book. <laughs> That is probably how I would feel. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. That's probably, I would be like, oh, I spent my entire teenage years reading your books. So thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) I will say um, to that, people are always encouraged to submit requests for authors uh, through the contact form on my website. Definitely do that. And we, okay. we keep it, we keep track. We keep a tally. It can be difficult because I'm constantly trying to balance like choosing authors who, uh, one, I already know and love, which of course I always want to talk to them, but then also it's really important to me to feature a fair number of debuts as well. Um, so, so, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into trying to decide who we're going to have on. Well, I, I know I definitely request Abigail Spagari. She's an indie author that I love. Yeah. I don't know. Do you do indie authors? I have. Um, okay. Uh, I've probably done a couple at this point. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely do more. Absolutely. That's awesome. So what is the future looking like for Happy Writer Podcast? Post-COVID, you mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say at this point, I fully plan to continue it um, even after covid um, I don't know if it will change, if anything about it will change. I won't tell people to stay healthy in their bunkers anymore, I guess. <laughs> 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 line. Um, but no, I've, I've really enjoyed doing it and feel like I've gotten a lot out of it. Um, and people seem to be really enjoying it, which is of course very important also. So yeah, at this point, uh, I, it will continue for the foreseeable future. Yay. Okay, so are we allowed to talk about your upcoming projects? Do you want to tell us anything about Gilded? Sure. Um, what would you like to know? 
<laughs> well, we know it's a Rumpelstiltskin retelling, right? That is correct. Okay. So let me think. What can I tell is you? Is it sci-fi or fantasy? It is fantasy. It is okay. Um, largely based in Germanic fantasy and mythology. Um, so a little, a little German references, references, a little Norse mythology thrown in there. Um, and okay, what can I tell you? <laughs> I don't really have like, a pitch, a pitch planned for it yet. It is based on Rumpelstiltskin, and it is about a girl who is the daughter of a miller. But before she was born, she was cursed by the god of lies. And she, that has led to almost an inability of her to speak the truth. She's constantly coming up with stuff, making things up. And she's kind of used that to now become the town storyteller. And so she's always just telling these wild stories and the, all of the adults don't like her. They think she's bad luck, um, but all of the kids absolutely adore her. And so that's kind of where, where she's found her comfort and her people. Um, but this storytelling nature of hers gets her in trouble when she, one night under the snow moon, meets the Earl King, who is a... Um, how 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 would we describe him? He's essentially like a demon, but like a really cute demon. And <laughs> she tells him that she has the power to spin straw into gold. And not long after that, a visitor shows up at her doorway and whisks her away to this dark haunted castle where she is told that if she can spin straw into gold, she can live. And if not, she will be killed the next morning. And of course, she can't spin straw into gold. And so she's desperately trying to think, how am I going to get out of this? When a boy shows up uh, out of nowhere and tells her he can do it, but for a price. And that is that is kind of the the start of the story. Um, there's the wild hunt. I'm really hunt. excited for Thank it. Thank you. Yeah, so I draw a lot from like the wild hunt, which is a big thing in... Uh, like European mythology, and there's a lot of mythological beasts that I'm kind of incorporating as part of that. And yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> Thank you. It has been super fun to write. It's very kind of dark and creepy. It's more along the lines of like Heartless for people who have read all of my books so far, kind of has that same sort of vibe to it. Uh, and it's just been really, really fun for me to be back in this more fantasy world. So, yeah. I know I've been checking NetGalley like once a week to see if I can request it yet. So oh, I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has it. It just was on my computer. My publisher does not have it yet. So. <laughs> So do you have any other projects that you're currently working on? I do. I think I mentioned before I have four things going on, and I don't know that I can talk about any of them. Let me think about that. Oh, that's fair. I know. Yeah, I keep some stuff to yourself. Yeah, I mean, Gilded, obviously. And then I have um, two other things in the works with my publisher. So those are under contract and definitely happening but we have not announced them yet. So I really don't think I can really tell you anything about them, which I hate because I'm so excited about them. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, 
So there's those three. And then the fourth thing is my my super secret side project. It was actually my NaNoWriMo book from last fall. Um, and that one is not under contract. It's just kind of a fun thing that I've been working on. Well, not lately because I've been you know trying to get Gilded finished, but I'm really excited to get back to it and hopefully get it wrapped up this summer and then see if anybody wants to publish it <laughs> of the method. which would be awesome yeah yeah I I think so I mean I'm, I'm obviously optimistic that my publisher will be interested but it's kind of a, a new <laughs> pathway it's something that I haven't done before so you know you never know no. I don't want to get cocky about it who knows maybe I'm terrible right <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I am right now because I, I get a lot of people that are like, well, when is it coming out? And I'm like, well, <laughs> nobody's publishing it, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. And even like when you do start like looking for an agent and you get that book deal and it's still like a year and a half away, even at that point, mm-hmm. it take forever. Yeah, I think uh, I haven't started any of that stuff yet, but I know that like with Dispersed, I've considered it. Mm-hmm. But I want to try and finish the anthology portion before I send it into the world with hopes and prayers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then Dear Joy just still needs a ton of work. So, yeah, I don't know. And then I have all these other ideas and I don't know. Maybe, like I said, maybe they'll live forever on my computer and no one will read them. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Maybe maybe one will be your debut book. Who knows? That would be awesome. And then I can come on Happy Raider. Exactly. I would absolutely (laughs) have you on. Are you kidding? That would be (laughs) awesome. I have to finish it. (laughs) I know. I know. Step one. I feel like that sometimes I'm like, oh, I just wish I was done already. Because sometimes I feel like I just spend so much time focusing on like one or two things in there. And I'm like, you know what, I need to just like skip ahead to another chapter. I'm getting hyper focused right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, I do that too. I mean, I jump around all the time. And I feel like I'm constantly telling myself like, Marissa, you would make a lot less work for yourself if you just like started on page one and wrote everything chronologically. Because things are constantly changing and then you write, you know, chapter 40, but then, oh, back here in chapter 30, this thing happened. So now I have to go back and change this. And I'm constantly back bouncing all over the draft, um, which seems like a not great way of doing things. <laughs> but there's days when you're really inspired to write like a creepy, eerie, haunted scene. And then there's days when you want to write romance and there's days when you want to write action and I don't know. I feel like you kind of have to honor those those feelings a little bit and do do what your your heart is saying today. I really want to work on this. And sometimes I feel like it just depends on where your first spark comes from. I mean, like I said, I was telling you before we started recording that my new project, um, the last line of the book came to me first. Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of working my way backwards, trying to figure out how I want to get to that last line, Um, which is quite a bit more complicated than I've ever done before. But it's actually really fun because it's so different and so challenging to try and make sure that I get to a certain like head point. And then, you know, with Dispersed, it was it was just a, a quick project that I had to do for something. And I was like, okay, well, what kind of character do I want to write? Done. Where do I want the setting? Done. Like it was very Mm -hmm. quick and I didn't put too much thought into it until I actually started 
writing it. And then I think I wrote the whole thing in like a three day period. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, uh, I don't know. It's hard because I feel like every project is just slightly different. No, that's true. And, and every one of mine is different. And some of them are written really fast and are just like pure joy. Like I felt that way with instant karma. Like there was never a point, most every book I've written at some point, I think this is terrible. What am I doing? And instant (laughs) karma, it was like that rare book where I just had fun the entire time. Um, and then other books take forever. And I'm like renegades. I ended up having to rewrite that book like four or five times. And I mean, you just, you just don't know. And you can't tell at the outset of a book either, you know, you have this idea and you just don't know what are going to be the challenges of this book. Like what you can't foresee how long is this going to take? And, and what am I going to need to fix in revisions? You, until you dig into it, you just don't know. Every book is different. Yeah. And I think that's what makes writing so much fun. I think it's part of it for sure. It's kind of like putting together puzzles. I love puzzles. And I feel like every book, I just have this jumble of puzzle pieces in my brain and different characters and ideas for different scenes and settings and subplots and like trying to get them to fit together into something that makes sense. It's, it's a huge challenge, but one that I think is really enjoyable. Like I'm just constantly, I love using my brain in that way to try to solve it. Yeah. I love that too. And I think that's, what's so great for readers too, is getting to go on that journey while they're finishing the story and you get all these, that's what I love most about mysteries is you get all these red herrings and you're like, I figured it out. And then, you know, you get to the end and you're wrong. And, you know, like we, I'm sure on first read, we all thought Ludo Bagman was the bad guy. Right. And then it was like, surprise. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, it's definitely Ludo Bagman. And then I got to the end and I was like a gambling problem. What? I thought he was like a really bad guy. <laughs> this is totally just a normal issue that people have. <laughs> Yeah, mysteries in particular, I, I, I'm i so impressed with really good mystery writers because there's so many things you have to balance and giving just the right clues at just the right time that the reader almost doesn't even notice the right clues when they're there. But then after the fact, when you reveal the ending and the culprit or whoever it is, it all has to fit together so that the reader is like, oh, why didn't I see it? Of course, this is what it was. But it's it's a lot to balance. It's tricky. Mysteries are tricky. I, I haven't written one, but <laughs> so hard. I feel like you have to keep track of a lot of stuff <laughs> when you're writing mysteries. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you want to plug before we say our goodbyes? Oh, buy my book this November. I think it's available for pre-order. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I already pre-ordered oh, it. I so hope <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I actually have two. Um, I am co-hosting two launch events in May. Um, I'm just pulling out my calendar here. So on May 7th, which is a Friday, I'm uh, doing Trisha Levenseller's event for her new fantasy novel, And then a couple days after that, on Tuesday, May 11th, I am going to be doing the launch event with Jamie Paxton and uh, for her new uh, contemporary. So, yeah, lots of lots of good writer fun. Yay. 
Well, before we sign off, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and the Happy Writer Podcast in case they, for some reason, don't know? (laughs) (laughs) I assume they know, but you never... You never know. Every opportunity. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, with social media, I'm pretty much only on Instagram um, anymore. That's at Marissa Meyer Author. Uh, and then my podcast, The Happy Writer, is available pretty much wherever you listen to this podcast, I assume. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, any Google podcast, Apple podcast, it's, it's pretty much everywhere. Um, and then we do have a, an Instagram account for that as well, which is just at Happy Writer Podcast. Everyone, please take a moment to go and check out the Happy Writer Podcast pre-order Gilded. Next time you guys come, please read pages 1 through 13 of Ferrist. That's where we're going next. Oh, exciting. Uh, (laughs) As requested, there will be trigger warnings while reading Ferrist. I have figured out which chapters will need them, so... There's a lot of stuff going on. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's, yeah, it's definitely the darkest, the darkest of the dark. Well, big thank you for coming. I always enjoy talking to you and I'm super excited for Gilded. Thank you. I hope you'll enjoy it. And I will maybe see you again when you wrap up Ferris or Winter, one of those books. (laughs) Awesome. So Ferris, we finish in June. Can. I've got my whole thing scheduled out, Marissa. <laughs> I, know, I know you do. I know you do. I don't know if it'll stay that way, but I have it scheduled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I hope everyone enjoys reading it or rereading it as the case may be. It's it's one of my favorite villain stories because so often I feel like villain stories are uh, a redemption arc. Mm. And... I'm very grateful that Lavana's is not. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had so many readers when that book come out came out telling me, like, I don't want to read this book because I don't want yep. to sympathize with her. And I was like, well, that's what I was like. Yeah, you might. I mean, I hope that you sympathize for her a little bit. But, I mean, she does not. She, <laughs> we're not. I'm not trying to make the case that she's, like, a good person and all the things that she's done have been totally justified. Like, um, no. She's a horrible, horrible That's person. why I was afraid to read it because I was like, no, no, she's a really good villain. I don't want to feel bad for her. I don't want to read that and be like, oh, she's misunderstood like you know I was really scared (laughs) that's funny yeah but I get that I get that yeah but I do I mean I I feel bad for her like there's definitely a part of me that the things that she does there's no excuse for them um but I enjoyed writing her story so that I could at least get that glimpse from behind her eyes and see at least how she came to be this way um and I don't know, it was a fun challenge for me as a writer. And and just, I always enjoy getting an opportunity to kind of delve deeper into the the characters and see really what's, what's behind them. Um, and so she was a really fun one to write and to kind of let my evil, wicked side through a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, we will be starting that next week. So you will get to experience the wickedness with all of us. <laughs> And uh, until next time, keep reading, keep listening, and don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. Thank you. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was author Marissa Meyer, the host of Happy Writer Podcast. 
The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.